So uh, we've been in this series. Um, uh, we've been talking about this. Uh, 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 main, there we go. Whoops. Go ahead and click it. Framley one there. I've been talking about uh, Framley together. Um, and uh, two, last week we kind of talked about the next generation and how important that is. Amen. One day we are going to hand the church off to them, whether we like it or not, just like the generation before handed it off to us, and so super important. And then two weeks ago, we talked about how uh, one of the, the foundations of family is love is the most important thing. In fact, love is more important than life itself. If you love the children, those people, you will give up your life for them because love is the most important thing. It's the one thing that lasts that we have when we go to heaven. We are going to get to love each other when we go to heaven. Amen. Man, just think, I might be your neighbor. <laughs> um, and so the, the commandment out of last week was love one another. And we talked about uh, this important word uh, called alelon, uh, which is the idea of, of loving one another. And it, it appears in the Bible a lot. In fact, uh, this particular word appears a hundred times in the New Testament. A hundred times. Do you think he was intentional about this one another, about what, what we really call framly around here? Uh, say framly. That's the one another. That's the, the, the body of Christ. And, and framly and, and connectedness and family are, are foundational to Christianity and to the Christian community. We are meant to live in community. And it, it's much more than just kind of casual sorts of things. And, and, and honestly, uh, one of the reasons we emphasize life groups so much is that it's nearly impossible to be framly with all the people that are here. And this is a holiday weekend. As we go into the fall, more and more people, our church is just too big to even know all the names of everybody. So you need a, a smaller group, a life group of people that you are connected to that are family, that you care about uh, like that. And so today I want to press in a little further with the family uh, kind of thing. And uh, we're going to be looking at... Um, for some reason, my clicker's not working. Did we? There we go. First John 1, 5 uh, through 9. Uh, today, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them and open up to First John. That's near the back of, of the Bible. Uh, and just a couple things while you're getting there to remind you. Uh, John, John was a, probably a teenage boy when he followed Christ. He was the youngest of the disciples, and so he has a, a little different take than some of the other disciples. He also lived the longest, and so by the time he's writing his books, uh, it's very, very late, maybe 90 to 100 uh, AD, they think. Uh, and, and so um, all of the other books, for the most part, have been written already. Um, you know, the, the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke what we call synoptic gospels, um, that Paul's writings have, have been all of that. And so he has this big foundation already where Paul kind of does all the philosophical work of, of Christianity and placing it in, in, in in a proper perspective. And so for John, he's not trying to do that. He's trying to do the, the um, here's the application. Here's what this looks like in, in, in the real world. And the way I think about this sometimes is, um, some of you remember when you could work on a car? You can't hardly work on a car now because there's so much electronics, but, but you, you work on a car, and, and some of you really like that kind of stuff. You're good with that. You, you like how it works. You know how the brakes work, and you know how the motor works, and, and you know how all the other thingamabobs and dealamajiggers, because I'll run out of my language really quick, uh, work, and, and, and you like that. Uh, but, but for me personally, I want to get in my car, turn it on, and go down the road. That's just the way it is. And so um, Paul does a lot of, here's how it works. Here's, you know, how the, the Christianity works. And John says, here's how to actually drive the thing, okay? You know, that's important that we learn that. And so First uh, John 1, 5 through 9, we're going to kind of talk about uh, this morning. And so um, 
This is the message I have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. So this is the message from Jesus that is given to us, and the message is God is light. And light's going to become an important word in a minute. In him, there is no darkness at all, because darkness is simply the absence of light, right? If we claim to have fellowship with him, and that's going to be an important word, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So I want to pull a couple, three words out and then carry them into the, to the rest of this. So uh, just uh, quickly, um, uh, walk is the first word. And walk uh, is a, uh, it's a Hebrew idiom. You all know what an idiom is? An idiom means it doesn't mean what it seems to literally mean. So if I tell you to go hit the road, none of you are going to go and take a hammer to the asphalt out front. You're all just going to leave, right? You understand that, that, that that's an idiom. And so walk is an idiom in, in, for Hebrews, and it means living life. It's, it's doing life together. It's, we walk. They see life as, as, a, as a walking kind of thing. We have a, a modern idiom called life is a journey. How many of you have heard that? It's that same thing. Life is a journey. Walk, living, so as we yet walk uh, in darkness, okay? Uh, and so what, what this means is this whole thing is about, um, is about a lifestyle, a, a way of living in, in the world. And then the second one is um, uh, light. Uh, and, and so that word uh, is, is one that is used as a metaphor in John, uh, and he uses it to carry the idea of light and life being the same thing in Jesus. So he'll use those interchangeably depending on the type of nuance he wants to make uh, in all of this. And he's referring to, uh, to real light. So Jesus is the light. In fact, if we look at a couple of verses here, uh, the next, next verse. Um, all right, can we get the next slide? Um, John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Okay, light in Jesus. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So life and light in Jesus are all a part of the same thing. Next slide. Um, oops, I did that to you. Sorry, back up one more. Ah, uh, there we go. John 1, 4. See, this is out of John's light writings. In him, that is Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. You get this? Life, light, Jesus, it's all, it's all kind of a part of the same thing. So when he talks about the light, he's also talking about life. And he's also talking about Jesus. They all work uh, together. And so for John, it is possible to have biological life, but not spiritual life. And you all understand that, amen? there's something more that there's this eternal life that he wants to give to us, that, that we all need a transformational encounter with the living Lord, Amen. And we need that, that thing that he does in us. And so then uh, the, the third word is, is uh, the word fellowship. Uh, and this is one I want to talk about a little bit. It's koinonia. Say koinonia. Yeah, in the 70s, this was a really popular uh, word. And I'll, I'll be honest, when I was growing up, and I, my dad liked the word fellowship a lot, and I grew up in a really small church, about 40, 50 on Sunday morning, uh, I associated a fellowship with potlucks. Because we had a lot of potlucks when I was growing up. And my dad always said, we're going to go fellowship together. And what he really meant was we're going to go eat together, right? You know, and in fact, the other time he would use the word, we're going to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, is when we had people over or they had us over. And so I just kind of naturally, as a little boy growing up, assumed that, that, that fellowship was somehow associated with really good, uh, good food. Uh, and so I want to take it a little further. You can see here, actually the word uh, koinonia means deep connectedness strong friendship, uh, 
communion is what it's, it's talking about. In fact, it's one of the words that used for that. This is so important. That in fact, a couple of verses earlier, if you look at 1 John 1, 3, actually the purpose of his book is that we have koinonia with God. The whole purpose of writing the book of 1 John is that you might have koinonia, fellowship, deep connectedness, strong friendship, communion with the living God. And so koinonia, um, next slide, is a type of relationship. It's a, it's a relationship that, that God has with us. Koinonia is the kind of relationship God wants with you and with me. So God wants koinonia with you. He wants fellowship with you. And you understand there are lots of different types of, of relationships. Marriage is a type of relationship, amen? Okay. You know, a parenting is a type of relationship. Friendship is a type. Acquaintance is a type. A co-worker is a type. They're all types of different relationship. And the relationship that God says he wants with you and me is koinonia, is fellowship, deep connectedness, strong friendship, communion with one another. In fact, next slide. Um, koinonia is how life flows from God to us. It, it's how it, it comes into our life. It is in this deep connectedness that the life of the living God flows into in us. It, it's shared. It, it's passed from, from God to us. And the, the best way I think about this is, is, is family. One of the things I really believe about family is that the values of the family are more caught than taught. I think it's really important that you teach them. But, but it is in how they see you live your life that will make a difference as to how they are at, impacted. There's no single teaching moment for, for kids when it comes to values. You don't sit them down and say, okay, here's what your values are going to be, right? Because that won't work. You know? I, I don't know if you've noticed this. When, when they're five, they'll do what you say. When they're 15, they'll do the opposite of what you say. Have you noticed that? You know? So it's just, they're more caught than taught. There's something about living in proximity together. There's something about getting up and facing each other every single morning. There's something about having victories together as a family and having defeats together as a family. There's something about up-close living that causes us to rub off on each other, as well as rub each other wrong sometimes, but... There's something about that, and so it is in, in koinonia in this close life. In fact, there's a really kind of interesting thing. The ancient world understood light differently than you and I understand light. Uh, you guys, the way you understand light is you go flip a switch and the lights come on, right? And if you want to go someplace else, you flip a switch and the lights go on. You flip a switch and the lights go on, and then dad yells because nobody ever turns off the lights, right? Everything's all lit up all the time. So light is easy for you. But in the ancient world, if you wanted light in the darkness, you had to build a fire, and they didn't have no Zippo lighter and some newspapers to get it going either, too. It was a hard process. And, and if you wanted to take the light with you somewhere, you did not get out of your, your cell phone and kind of hit the light app and kind of go wherever you go. You had to light a torch and carry it with you. And, and, and honestly, it was dangerous in the ancient world. If, if that fire got out of hand, man, things burned down and people died. It was a very different experience. And here's the most interesting part about it. In the ancient world, they understood that if you did not stick close to the light, you were in the darkness in a way that we don't. We just flip on the next light for the next room. And so there was something about closeness. In fact, if you wanted the warmth, you had to stay close. And so when they conjured up ideas of light, the, the idea of light and darkness was very real to them. Stay close. Koinonia, deep connection, fellowship, lest you walk in the darkness because you got too far uh, away from that. And so it's how the life flows. And so um, ultimately, next slide, we must be in relationship with God to experience the life he gives. We have to be close. He, he doesn't desire just a relationship where he just talks at us. He wants to transform us. 
And if, if there's any description that fits raising kids, it's transformation. They start out as this little blubbering, smelly, slobbery thing. Amen? <laughs> and you hope they grow up into responsible adults. Okay, more you should have said amen there. That's a little disconcerting. Amen? Yeah, you know, and it's wonderful. I, I remember the first few times, you know, you get flashes of that, and your child makes a really good choice, and you go, I saw an adult in there. And then one day they grow up and they become, there's transformation, and that's what's being talked about, you see. Ultimately, religion is about rules, but relationship is about transformation. And that's what Christ talked about. And then here's the coolest thing. The very coolest thing about the word koinonia uh, is this. Read this scripture. Let's um, uh, continue on, 7. Uh, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have koinonia with one another. Alelon. Isn't that cool? Okay. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And so the very kind of relationship that God desires for us to have with him, he desires for us to have with each other. Let that sink in for just a minute. What an awesome God we serve. And so um, ultimately, a koinonia is life-giving relationship with God and each other. Amen? Say koinonia. Look at the person next to you say koinonia. Look at the person on the other side say koinonia. Yeah. And so those people you just looked at, God desires you to live in the same kind of relationship with them that you live in with him. Koinonia. Fellowship, communion, intimacy. God calls us to live that way. In fact, this is such an important deal that even Jesus needed some people around him. He was fully human, amen? And so he called 12 disciples around him that went on this journey, and wow, were they transformed. Amen? I mean, you look at them at the beginning, and you look at them after Pentecost, they're a whole different kind of... Kind of you know, the good news for all of us is they, were not, they did not have their act together. Aren't you thankful for Peter? Now, some of you need a little more humility. You should say, amen, we're thankful, because he was always getting it wrong. Peter is my hero in life, because he just was so bad at it, and yet God did such a great thing in his life. You see, ultimately, Christianity is a team sport. We are not meant to do this alone. We are meant to do this in connection and in community, in what we call Christian community with one another. In fact, I would say this. We've talked about this, this word before. Next slide. In the Framley, koinonia is sideways grace. Sideways grace. You know, we talk a lot about the grace that God gives us, and I'm so thankful for the grace that God gives us. But he expects us to, to pour that grace out. As God pours his life into us, we pour our lives into one another. God has done this for us, and then we do it for each other. In fact, I would tell you that koinonia is love lived out. It's when love becomes something more than an abstract idea. For, for John, love is never an abstract idea. It's, it's always a, a specific set of actions that he takes together uh, with the people. It, it's, a, it's a way of connecting and caring for. It, it's practical. It's getting in the car and driving it. In fact, 1 John 3.18, again in 1 John, says this. Dear children, I love that he calls us children. We are, the, the, by the way, the side note, koinonia for, for us and God is not an equal relationship. You understand that, right? We are the children, he is the parent. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> 
Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Love, koinonia, is living in love God's way. In fact, I would tell you that I believe with all of my heart that most of the grace and love we experience from God is channeled through his children. Amen? I mean, I've had some experiences with God where it was just like a God thing. and I. But most of the time... It comes sideways to me. It comes from other children in the family that do something for me. That was made abundantly clear to me when I got cancer, and you guys have just done so many things. You heard Anders talking about what it was like to have you guys love on him when their baby was born. How, how small was she? Two pounds when she was born. And 70 days in the... In, it, it comes sideways. I, I remember when I was growing up, my preacher, the preacher that my adolescent years had this favorite illustration and it was, it was always about this time in their life as, as pastors when they were just out of money and they had a bill and they couldn't pay it and they, they didn't want to tell anybody and they were just praying about it and they were praying about it they hadn't told anybody outside the family and one day in the mail an envelope shows up with the exact amount in it. No return address. And he said, it's a miracle! And it was a miracle. But later on it dawned on me, some other follower of Jesus one day got a prompt from the Lord and took some money out of their wallet and put it in an envelope and sealed it and put the pastor's name and address on it and put it in the mail. Sideways grace. Amen? Did that make it any less of a miracle? No! But most miracles are sideways grace. He calls us to be a part of it. You have received sideways grace. How many of you received sideways grace somewhere in your life? Yeah, everybody. How are you giving sideways grace away? How are you doing that? How are you giving God's grace to someone around you? And here's the really cool part. Next slide. God includes you and I in his work. I love this picture. I, I just love this picture of the little guy helping dad work on the car, right? You know? I remember when my son was little, he'd help me by handing me things, you know. Hand me the hammer. That was, that was pretty good. Hand me the wrench. Usually the wrong wrench, you know. Hand me the screwdriver. Yeah, okay, not that screwdriver. That's, no, 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 not that one. This, you know. Koinonia. Where your heavenly father brings you along. He has included you in his work. He gives you the opportunity to receive the blessing that comes when you put the envelope, money in the envelope and send it off. And there are lots of other ways to do grace. That's just a cool, cool, cool illustration. But we are all invited to this. He invites you to join him. And it is in koinonia, it is in doing the work of God on earth and giving sideways grace and receiving sideways grace that we are transformed into the image of Christ. So let me say this. Next slide. How you treat others is a spiritual issue. See, in the Church of Jesus Christ, how you treat others really, really matters. It's not just good technique so you can be a good leader. It's a spiritual issue. And it matters how we treat one another, how we talk about one another. There are all kinds of things in the world today that are legal but are forbidden for followers of Jesus Christ. You know what one of the really big ones is? Complaining. Complaining. Another one is gossip. It is not against the law to gossip about people. And I worry sometimes that the church takes its ethic from the world. But in the kingdom of God, gossip is forbidden. Amen? Talk nice about one another. If there's some issue, then you come to the people that are in charge, whatever that structure is, and you talk to them. But you do not talk to bad about body, to other people. Amen? 
I just, I just, it's, it just, it's, nothing destroys koinonia community faster than words. And then the last um, slide here, the verse uh, together, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we own them, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Can I ask you a personal question? It doesn't matter what you say because I'm going to ask it anyway, but that's this next slide. Do you live in close personal relationship with God, with Koinonia? Say, I come to church. I know you come to church. I'm religious. I know. I do all, I don't, I try not to sin or anything. I I know, I, I get that. But do you have Koinonia? Do you have that intimate relationship with Christ, that life-transforming thing where the Holy Spirit works in your life and sometimes it's wonderful and sometimes it's not wonderful? But it is the Spirit of the living God. and It is koinonia. If not, why not? The path is clear this morning. Confess our sins. And by sins, I mean that stuff you know in your heart was wrong. Not the little crazy stuff that people get hurt in. Ask him to come into your life. Let him have control. And in that moment, God forgives. And not only does he forgive, but he purifies. Some of you are carrying around a weight of sin that's killing you. It's killing your marriage. It's killing the relationships. There's guilt. There's shame. There's all that kind of stuff. And Christ wants to lift that off of you. Somebody say amen, because I know some of you got saved from some crazy stuff in your lives. And that's what he offers you. And then he infuses you with spiritual life and you enter into this lifelong journey, this walk, if you will, this, this become a disciple. You know that Jesus hardly ever said, get saved, but he almost always said, come and follow me. Koinonia, journey together. Because we believe with all of our hearts, next slide, God is in the business of recycling people. Amen? Recycling is where you take things that are broken and bent and and you turn them into something wonderful. How many of you recycle your house somewhere? Yeah. God recycles people. No matter what, no matter how broken you are, discouraged or sinful or useless you think you are, God can make something beautiful out of your life. But you need koinonia. You need relationship. In fact, um, one of the most clear images for me was uh, Bill Gaither, um, if our musicians would come. Yeah, he talked about uh, driving down the road one day and, and they were tearing down a house and, and the house was, you know, you know how it is when they tear it down with the big things and it's just a pile, it's, uh, it's just rubble and there's all these broken boards, you know, and there's bent nails and there's pieces sticking up and you know that, that it, at some point that house was, was somebody's first purchase there was one day when they moved in and it was the greatest thing ever and maybe some people raised their families in there and it's filled with, with memories but, but through a series of events it, it just it ended up as rubble. And then he said, our God is the God that can take the broken boards and bent nails of your life and make a mansion more beautiful than the house ever was. Koinonia. Koinonia. It doesn't happen in an instant. You become a follower in an instant but then it's a lifelong journey. Koinonia with God, koinonia with one another. So we're going to sing together a song and we're going to worship the Lord uh, in giving here. And uh, Yeah, woohoo! And so just if you're, if you're a guest especially, but for all of you, if you put the communication card in and we have online giving through the webpage and through our, our app. But 
This morning, if you're in that position where you know you don't have koinonia with God, you can. And then you can have koinonia with, with us. All you got to do is ask him to come in. And as we, we sing this song, it's a great song called The Stand. It's all about offering our hearts completely to God. Would you just offer your heart to God? You say, I don't understand all this. Congratulations, neither do I. And I have two, two degrees, one of which is a graduate degree. You'll never understand God, okay? But I'm telling you, living in koinonia is the best thing that will ever happen to you. Let him come in. Let him change your life. Do that this morning as we sing and as we pray. Father God, I pray now that you would bless this offering. You know the financial needs, Father. Would you multiply it as you did fishes and loaves? But more than that, Father, I pray for that one that you're speaking to this morning, that they just know they need something different. They just know they need real relationship with you, that they need koinonia with you, and that they know that they desire koinonia with other people. And so, Father, I pray as we sing that they would just say to you, come into my life, <laughs> wash away my past. I confess I've fallen way short, and make me a new creation in you. And Father, I pray that you would do that now in this moment, change eternal destinies for your glory and for your honor. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.